Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey there, listener. Welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse. And for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. We've got science to celebrate Davis Blitz now. Come on! There's rebellion in the wind. It will be crushed. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Dinosaur fossils? God put those here to test our faith. That damn lie, I, I saw them on my own eye! Did I accuse just drop sharply while I was away? We did it illusions, man. None of it is true. I'm not insane! This is mass madness, you maniacs! In God's name, you people are the real thing! We are the illusion! How's it going, everybody? This is Andrew. And tonight we're going to be talking to Dancing Dave of the Surviving the System podcast. I've been checking his stuff out for the past few weeks, and it's just, it's really hit me at the perfect time because I'm really trying to steer this ship towards some really positive stuff, away from the dark and evil crap. Even though it comes up, it's always going to come up, but the goal is to empower us, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today. So without further ado. Dave. Hey. How's it going, man? I'm doing all right. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad, man. Good to finally see you face to face. Yeah, you too. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you too. So six kids. That's so awesome. Like, yeah, it was funny when I first saw you say that I was like, my primitive teenage brain popped up and went, that's terrifying. And mm-hmm. then my, my dad brain popped up afterwards. Like, that's like, that's a lot of love. Yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> a it's lot. a lot, but <laughs> wouldn't have it any other way, you know? Damn right. I've been listening to a lot of your stuff. And it's great timing because I've just been really hoping to steer this podcast towards more empowering the people kind of vibes. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, not necessarily away from the conspiracies because those are always going to pop up. But, mm-hmm. you know, just like I listened to a lot of your episodes and, and overall it just made me so motivated to just bring it full force, like towards positive thinking and like all the themes that you talk about empowering yourself and and doing all those things. It's just really great to, to hear your words. Really, really thinking you're doing a lot of good. Thank you. I appreciate that. That was, 
it, that was part of my whole purpose for starting the podcast because I listen to I listen to podcasts. I, I love it. Like that's what I do in my spare time. And I noticed that there were particular ones that talked about, especially conspiracy ones and um, oh, I can think of Josh's name, Decarceration Nation. Oh, yeah. um, is one of my one of my tops. Like mm-hmm. him and Joe were my, one of my two inspirations for doing this. And but sometimes I would listen to his show, and at the end of it, I'd just be pissed, and it would just leave <laughs> you with this feeling of, well, what the fuck do I do now? And so that was really where I was like, man, that was a really cool show, but what good does it do? My friend, Sean, who is getting ready to come back into the community after 16 years inside to listen to some Harvard professor talk about the research that they're doing on bail in New York. It's like, it's cool, but how does that help the dude that's walking out the street right now? Yeah. And I do find that, uh, myself included this podcast too, but like all the podcast, cause I absolutely adore podcasts. That's what made me do this too. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, over the years, just like everyone is, is it, it ends up in that darker place. Cause you're always connecting it back. And, and yeah. And the thing is, is what we, we seem to say this too, but we never learn our own lesson. This is exactly what they want us to be talking about. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely you know, taking the power away from us and just adoring them, whether it's for negative or positive, it's just, you know, too much adoration that direction. Yep, all distraction. Yeah. And so, I mean, I would love for you to just kind of give me a little bit of background, give my audience a a little, you know, a way to get to know you a little bit and your background and, you know, how you got here to this place. So I, up until 2014, was what you would call, I guess, normal, Uh Um, you know, normal life. I was married. I had a job. I had, at that point, we just had our third kid. I had two from a previous marriage. I was remarried. We just had our first kid and everything was great, but bubbling underneath the surface was a lot of just unresolved issues and a lot of rage and a lot of anger and it was becoming a little bit self-destructive internally. Externally, I looked like I was leading the American dream, or at least on my way to it. Um, And then it all came crashing down. I was on my way to work, flashing lights behind me. I get pulled over by a squad of cop cars, guns pulled, everything. And that, that was it. That was my journey into hell and back. And so then I spent the next eight months uh, through 2014, not knowing what the hell was going to happen to me and learning all about what it's like on the other side of the doors of the system. Mm -hmm. And when I say the system in this particular sense, I mean the legal prison justice, quote unquote, system. Right. And it was a very rude awakening um, mentally it breaks you down and then you need to rebuild from there. So, and that's, you know, we can talk a lot about the mental aspect of that and quantum physics and all of that stuff, but it, it breaks you down to a point where there's nothing left. And from there you rebuild. And 
So in 2015, January, like really early, um, I was expecting to just be given probation. I've mm -hmm. never been in trouble with the law before, ever. And so I went in. Um, I had pled guilty because they basically bullied me and backed me into a corner and said, either plead guilty or we're going to throw more felonies at you and you'll be in jail for 10 plus years. That's how the system works. And so I talked to my lawyer and all of a sudden the day I get there, you know, he's like, this is not what they said. I don't understand what's going on. And then the next thing I know, one to three, I'm getting hauled off in handcuffs and I thought that was, that was it. I thought my life was over. And there was my rock bottom. And from there, it was the ascent out of hell. Mm -hmm. And from that point forward, that was when I started to learn more about humanity and the human spirit and society and how ass backwards <laughs> everything is outside of the prison walls. It, it's, it's not what you see on TV. Mm -hmm. It's not what you see in the movies. There is an aspect of that where it can be rough. It can be dangerous. You have to watch your back, but it's a small percentage. The majority of the guys that were in there just wanted to get out and go home. Like, I just want to do my time and I want to go back home. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you did. You do your time. I'll do my time. We'll be good. Right. And if you treated everybody with respect, they gave you the same in return. And it was such a rude awakening for me to go through all of that because there were times when I would be sitting there going, I am getting more support mentally, physically, emotionally from this dude who is in prison for the rest of his life for rape and murder than I did from my best friend of 20 years plus, who I was the best man at his wedding and has never said a word to me since my arrest. Not even a, hey, fuck you, I don't ever want to talk to you again. Nothing, no word, no communication, no nothing. And yeah. so trying to reconcile that in your mind is really difficult, mm -hmm. really difficult. I mean, that's cognitive dissonance to the nth degree. Yeah. But once I started to just kind of open up to that experience and say, okay, I mean, this is where I'm at. I, I have to deal with it. Um, then I started really finding the lesson that was in there and learning more about who I was and how life could be and really just the human spirit. Mm -hmm. So I got back out and hit the ground running, definitely had challenges, but since, uh, since coming back into the community in 2016, um, you know, I'm, I'm still married. My wife is still with me. God bless her. That's good to uh, hear. We've got six kids now. Um, Beautiful. I have my own sales and consulting business doing coaching on the side. I've founded a nonprofit organization helping individuals transition back into the community from correctional institutions. That's fantastic. Uh, got the podcast, obviously. Yes. I have uh, I have a really, really good day job that I enjoy for the most part. And that was just strictly through the networking that I did uh, when I got back out. Mm -hmm. And 
yeah, I mean, that's, that's where I'm at. That's fantastic. Uh, I, I was going to say, um, of course now I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> a um, so you were talking about, um, how the system will completely break you down when you get there. Yeah. And, um, it's interesting how you ended up getting good results out of this process that you had to go through on the other end of it. Um, much like just speaking in very broad terms, not to compare necessarily, but similar to many spiritual practices, how ordeal tends to possibly bring about the enlightenment or the spiritual awakening or whatever, but it also doesn't necessarily do that every time, of course. And then when you think about the fact that the military seems to do the exact same things to Marines per se, like I have multiple friends with very mixed results on how they feel about it afterwards, but they experienced the Marine Corps and realized that they were being broken down completely to a basic form to be built up again. Yep. And that's literally an Eastern way of thinking when you think about it. I mean, the death of the ego, breaking it all down to remember who you really are and all that, all that beautiful stuff. Meanwhile, the system co-ops that beautiful thing and decides to use it for its own gain. And yeah. it, that's the one of the ultimate, like, for me, it seems like almost an anecdotal piece of evidence where you can kind of track this behavior all throughout time. And it seems to always be there with this system. It doesn't seem to be separate from a system in the past. It seems to be the same totalitarian disease floating through consciousness. And oh, yeah. it's, you know, whether it's reptilians or no, just plain old human greed, you know, and um, it just, it's interesting to, to see the comparison between how beautiful that can be for someone, but also how horrible it could be for someone is at the same time, because not everyone has the results that you have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. They don't. The, I, I think you nailed it right there. There's a lot of parallels between the, the prison system and the military, mm -hmm. you know, even going back to, if you look through history, I mean, the military has used prisoners to do experiments on off the books, quote unquote, but <laughs> not anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, not anymore, but I mean, if you, if you look at it and this is the premise for the beginning of my show and, and talking a lot about what I do, we have been so misled in this country thinking that Abraham Lincoln abolished slavery and the 13th amendment freed the slaves of it. No, it didn't read it. It didn't, it didn't abolish anything. It just changed the terms and it said, okay, no more slavery except <laughs> when used as a form of punishment. So we are, slavery is alive and well in this country. And it the, seems to be more clandestine. Yeah, well, that's just it. The, the racial issue is the distraction. Absolutely. Because the system itself, the people that are in power, there's a different set of rules for them than there is for everybody else. Black, mm -hmm. white, brown, native, Asian, I don't care who you are. They have us all fighting amongst e each other. Yeah. And meanwhile, they're creating slaves out of all of us yep. and profiting off of it across the board from beginning to end. Absolutely. 
uh, they, we, they, we're taken advantage of at every turn and the levels go deeper and deeper and deeper, you, you know, uh, but we weren't going to talk about how evil everything was, but damn it, <laughs> it's going to happen sometimes, you know? You know what? I mean, it's sometimes you have to, there, there's yeah. no point in, there's no point in trying to hide it. Everyone's system impacted. Yeah. That's, every, that's everybody kind of assist, especially with the coronavirus, man, when that first started and I'm sitting here <laughs> thinking, Okay, so we can't go anywhere. Everything is shut down. I've got kids. We can't take, can't go to a movie. Can't go to the zoo. Can't go. There's nothing we can do. Like, man, this feels kind of familiar. Right. It's just all of a sudden <laughs> on a global scale. Now right. everybody's like, oh, what are we going to do? I'm like, man, I, I'm used to this. Like, I, I did it for a bit. You, you mentally learn to cope with it. But all of a sudden, seeing the things that I saw inside, trying to tell people and get them to understand all of a sudden, boom, it's global. Right, right. Everywhere. And then you're going, yeah, that's what I was talking about. That stuff that you're complaining about and bitching about right now, that's what I was trying to tell you about. Right. Now you're seeing what I'm talking about. They're just, um, it seems that the veil that they kind of pull over everybody is getting thinner and thinner, whether that's intentional or not. It seems intentional, oddly enough, because whatever it is they're trying to tell us they're they're showing it everywhere i mean the creepy oh, shit going on with award shows and and the and the super bowl all that if you want to get into the dark occult stuff but i mean it's even like a few years back when um outside of cern doing like weird rituals and stuff before they <laughs> they discovered the higgs boson and stuff it's just like it's all theater like for so long i got swept up with one or the other like you know what's going on but when you take a step back, how much of it is theater? You know, yeah. how much of it is literally just to keep us in. That's the thing that people don't get. That's how they enslave us by or try to enslave us. But here we are talking about it. So we're aware of it, sure. you know, but they get under us and they get into us and they use our own language against us over and over and over again, it seems. And there's, yeah. I, I don't I don't know what other than to do other than, you know, what we're doing right now. You know, I mean, this seems to be the best thing we can do at this moment. And it seems like it's really coming together with things like union of the underground and <laughs> sorry, union of the yeah, unwanted, wanted, yep. Yep, yep. Uh, you know, everyone seems to be talking about starting their own alternate servers and internets and this and that it, it, it seems like there's a reason to have hope again. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And, you know, and it's it's an interesting premise because, you know, talking about how evil everything is and how dark it can be. I mean, it's it's part of life, but it has a purpose. We, we seem to think that the darkness and the darker things in life, oh, we shouldn't think about those. No, don't talk about that. No, don't go down that path. Oh, stay away from the dark. No, no, go to the light. Make sure you right. stay positive, stay happy all the time. I mean, that's <laughs> that's just flat out why. And if you, yeah. if you think about this from more of a, just a, a practical or even esoteric level, I mean, think about it this way. If you walk into a room and it's pitch black, let's say you come home, it's nighttime, you forgot to leave a light on or something, you're walking in, you're stumbling around, you can't see anything, it's dark, darker than dark, what is the first thing that you're going to do? You're going to look for a light. Yep. That's what the darkness is there for. That's a beautiful it, way to put it. <laughs> it's meant to lead you back to the light. So talking about these things 
is good. Recognition is the first law of learning and transformation. Yes. Recognizing the problem, but then what you do with it from there, that's the thing. If you just want to sit here and we want to complain about it and make ourselves feel better and then go back to living just a life of absolutely no purpose and no fulfillment whatsoever, that's yeah, probably not the best use of it. No, we don't want to. That's the thing. I feel like we've been doing that. Now, maybe it's been it's it's a lot easier now to, you know, the DIY movement. I mean, it's been like a long time now where that is a powerful force in our in our lives. And we're all kind of taking our own creativity into our own hands, our own expression into our own hands. Maybe it was harder back then, but it does feel like we've been spinning our wheels with these topics for 30 years. I mean, you look yeah. at David Icke. And David Icke's been doing this now for, oh my God, since the <laughs> mid eight, and he's not alone. They, yeah. Whoever's left alive, at least, you know, it's it's just we've been spinning our wheels. But now, perhaps we're, we've reached an apex where they definitely didn't want us to be getting to. Maybe the mm -hmm. internet, um, where we actually have the room and the freedom to kind of exercise just that little bit of wiggle room, that little little loophole they left us to really just blow the gates open and yeah. take over. And um, I, I think a lot about as above, so below. I don't know if you're mm -hmm. familiar with that, I'm sure. Yes. And um, then I bring it over to like the scientific view of like, you know, microcosm versus macrocosm. And it, it does seem like I've heard you talk a lot about, you know, being in prison and, and how it impacted you. And um, I would love to hear uh, like kind of, what that spark was for you that kind of I'm assuming that you, when you got in there, you, like you said, you thought your life was over mm -hmm. and then something turned it around. And I, you know, I've, I've heard you t tell a lot of stories about how, how positive it became for you, but only because you had the right guiding lights, you know, mm -hmm. around you. And it does seem like on a microcosm and a macrocosm, we need to do that as a people. Like yeah. we need to, keep doing what we're doing in a way. Yeah. But yeah. So what was that, that was there a moment, was there one moment that kind of turned it around for you that started to make you change the way you thought about your experience in there while mm. you were there? Yeah. Good question. No, it wasn't one and it mm. wasn't one moment. It was, it was the people. Um, it was just one interaction after another that just kept piling up and piling up and piling up until all of a sudden one day I just, I didn't even realize that I had over come over that hump and I was down the other side. Cause that first six months that I was in there, um, I mean, the first few days were the worst, the absolute worst, but I was very fortunate that I had two cellies that just, immediately took to me immediately you know i walked in the door and I'll, I'll never forget i've told the story on the show before but i'll never forget it i walked in the door with you know my bunk roll in my hands and open up the door and there's a dude at the desk scribbling on some paper and a guy standing over his shoulder watching and i look at and they're both looking at the books and i come walking in the door and he looks over me and he goes welcome to hell and i was just kind of like yeah. <laughs> Great. And, you know, we, I still keep in touch with him. He's one of my closest friends now. Um, That's great. But if it wasn't for him for that first six weeks, I never would have made it that first six weeks. Never would have. It but really he was there to, 
keep me going, encourage me, and at times to call me out on my shit and smack <laughs> me upside the head metaphorically. Because there were times I'd be sitting there and starting to, oh, woe is me, and oh, woe is me, oh my gosh, one to three, I'm never going to see my kids again. And he'd be like, dude, I've got 40 years, shut up. Oh my like, God. You're going to be home in like a year, year and a half, shut up. And I was like, eh, shit, that's when you put it that way. Yeah, that's okay. That makes sense. It's hard and to argue. Little, yeah, little moments like that. And then I'm out in the day room and guy walks up and just sits down at the table with me. And he's like, hey, do you read the Bible? Yeah. He's like, so let me ask you. And just all of a sudden, I'm having this interaction with this guy who's just coming to me for advice. I don't know who this guy is. I've never met him before in my life. We just called him the crazy Mexican. I don't even know his real name, <laughs> but he was just coming up to me and I would just spend time talking with him. And just people would gravitate to me. And That's by the awesome. end of that six weeks, I was, I was having fun. It was totally <laughs> weird to be able to say that. But despite the circumstances, I was like, I, I mean, I can handle this. This is okay. Mm -hmm. And then legs out from underneath me, I get moved. And I mean, it's, if you think about it just in life and all of these different psychological studies going all the way back to children, routine is extraordinarily important in your mental health. Uh -huh. And that's one of the things that happens inside is they never give you a routine. Oh. They always have to mess it up. So your, your mind is always just on edge. You're having to adjust. And if you're not careful, it'll break you. And so then I got stuck in county prison because the Nebraska prisons are so overcrowded, they pay the county jails to house prisoners. So I got stuck in a county jail for two months, which the first half of it was a nightmare. It was an absolute nightmare. Half of the room slept all day and the other half slept all night. So it, there was always noise. The oh lights were never God. off. I was running on like one, two hours of sleep a night yeah. for a month. So mentally, I was just, I was breaking down completely. But little things would happen throughout there where one of the guys, his name was Peter. Um, I was the first person that got my money transferred over into my account so I could actually buy something. And I was like, oh, okay, thank God. Now I can get some stuff. And he comes running over and he's like, dude, would you please, please just get me like a bar of soap. I just want a bar of soap, please. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's no problem. It's like 50 cents. <sighs> yeah, that's no problem. But to him, that was like the biggest thing in the world. And then from that point forward, we just, we had this respect between the two of us. Like, yeah, dude, I'll get you a bar of soap. Of course, I'll get you a bar of soap. Is that where we're at as, as a species, as human race, that this guy is coming up and having to beg me so that he can stay clean? Um, I would say we are in some cases, unfortunately, yeah. but I don't, I don't think it's how any of us really feel inside. I think it's how we've been kind of conditioned to just react. I mean, they say again, back to like, as above, so below kind of thing. Like you say it in couples therapy, you say it to a whole room of people, you know, react reaction rather than just kind of taking something in and understanding it. It just, mm -hmm. we always, I don't know. 
we always blame it on our instincts and act like this is just normal. Like our bad behavior is just part of who we are. But then you tell a story about, you know, how they screw with your routine on purpose. Now, Mm -hmm. granted, I'm assuming they, every, every time, no matter what the topic is, they always have some excuse to make the rest of the public go, oh, never mind. Okay. I'm assuming they say, oh, well, that's to uh, avoid escapes or something. So they don't know when what's happening or something. Yeah, they mean, probably make some, some excuse. It. It, all, it all boils down to I mean, whatever reason they would give, the general population, the society at large is so brainwashed and so detached from from source, like unplugged from source, they just think, oh, well, they deserve it. Right, of course. Oh, is that, oh it's bad for them in there? Well, you know, don't do, don't do crime. You can't do time. Shut up. Right. It's one of those arguments that, that they... That, don't that, give me that bullshit. You have no idea what this is. <laughs> you know, it's... And it, we've lost sight of, as as a society, that you're, you're sent to prison as punishment, not... For punishment. So, but that that's just what people think. Now, and I will I will disagree with you slightly on one point. Sure. It's happening for there's so many different layers to it, but at a <laughs> yeah. point, at, at a point, where does the ignorance become complacency? Where yeah. does it become just a willful Yes, I understand what you're talking about, and you're probably correct, but I don't want to have to deal with that because it's going to mess with my worldview, so I'm not going to pay any attention to it and pretend that that's not happening. Yeah, yeah. And Go ahead. On, Sorry. No, I, no, no, you're fine. And then on top of that, and then this will give you plenty more to go with, and then on top of that, I talk about this all the time, but if you think about the the psychological premise of projection, where if you're bothering me or you're making me angry or you're annoying me. It's not actually you that's annoying me. I'm projecting something about myself that either I don't like, or I haven't resolved or that is, you know, hidden inside of me. And you're reflecting that back to me. And I'm mad at myself about it because I see it in you. And when you apply that as above, so below, if you apply that to the greater whole as a society, everybody, And I mean, everybody out there on the street that hasn't either been in jail or prison, they just never got caught. They've done something. I guarantee it. They just never got caught. Yeah. So when when they see these people that are in prison, well, well, you know, don't do crime. You didn't do the time. Dude, what did you do? Right. What, What exactly about yourself are you projecting onto me that you hate yourself so much? Yeah, it's it's so sad. I think um, we do need to get to that place eventually to address the complacency. Unfortunately, and and again, it's been going on and we've been spinning our wheels for so damn long, but I feel like we're still in this, or we're now in this like very like, okay, okay, don't yell at them. Don't scream crazy stuff at them. Mm calmly ask them questions and bring them in slowly. Oh, they got scared again. Another argument broke out. But like, I feel like we can only address the complacency once 
they have their falling apart and waking up. We can mm. be like, okay, here's a blanket. Yep, here's a cup of water. Yeah, I know totally. the world is inside out. Now, damn it. <laughs> oh, totally. But they're good. But the thing is, I think the complacency, it's hard to address because once they're awake, they put all the pain and anger on themselves for not being aware of it for mm -hmm. so long that you're like, ooh, I'm not going to kick kick someone in the town at that point. Sure. You know, it's hard to say I told you so in, in a lot of circumstances. But on the macro level, it's a lot easier to yell at a crowd. So on Twitter, that'll be yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So absolutely. We've been kind of jumping all over, but um, what I've kind of been wanting to narrow in on is mm -hmm. I did hear you talk about the secret at one point. Yeah. And how much that's inspired you. And I've had my own experiences with not only the secret, but just the law of attraction in general. Mm -hmm. And uh, over the past few years, just getting it kind of beaten over my head noticing how much it's connected to everything else I was studying about the ancient past and how they lived and everything like that. I was just curious, like, was it instantaneous for you when you started to learn about law of attraction? Was it, was it, all right, I'm going to give this a try. Let's see how this plant plays out. Let's just try to be positive about it right away. Or was it kind of a slowly accepting this kind of bizarre new age thing for you? Mm. So Good, good questions, and there's a lot to it. So I'll, I'll try to, I'll try to put this together in a in a cognizant fashion. <laughs> so the thing about the law of attraction is, it's it's a law. It's happening whether you are consciously choosing to utilize it for your own purposes, or whether you're just running on your pre-programmed conditioning. It's, it's happening one way or the other. Mm -hmm. If you want to, if you want to know if the law of attraction is working for you, just look around at, at everything that you have and you have attracted and created <laughs> everything that is around you. Mm -hmm. If you tell me that that's not what you want. Okay. But is it really not what you want? Because it's what you have. Mm -hmm. So I, I first watched the secret back in early two thousands, I think. Yeah. And it was one of those things where I was like, yeah, that's really cool. And I like the ideas, but I don't know. I'm not too sure about it. And I remember at the ending of it, the part that kind of turned me off when I first saw it was, I don't remember exactly how they put it. And I don't remember which one of the, the speakers said it, but the, the gist of it was, oh, well, if you don't get the results that you wanted, well, that's your own fault. And I'm like, huh. what? That's the, that's stupid. I'm like, that seems like a cop out. It right. seems like, oh, do, do everything that I tell you to do and you'll get these results. Oh, you didn't get those results? Well, obviously you didn't do it the way that I told you to do it. So it's all your fault. Yeah. No. Wait, hold on a second. That's not right. So, <laughs> but at the same time, I understood a lot about, you know, positive thinking, positive attitude, things like that. But it was a lot of stop and go in my life. You know, sometimes I'd get the job that I wanted or, you know, really want to make this happen and I could make it happen if I really focused on it. And I noticed that about myself, but then I would just kind of be like, okay, well, I'm going to take a break now and just kind of sit back and coast. Wow. So, I I, yeah. uh, and which the majority of the world does. I mean, that's mm -hmm. how we all 
we know that we have that ability. We run out of gas. <laughs> yeah, but then you run out of gas and you're just like, eh, okay, I'm good. I'm good. I'm gonna I'm gonna stop out. caring for a few months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So fast forward now, and and I'm in in prison, and I there was a couple of books that had a massive impact on me, and one of them is I can't remember who who the author is, but it's from the Edgar Casey Society, and basically the title is "Your Life Is the Way That It Is Because You Want It to Be." <laughs> and I was like, what? So I picked that book up and it's, as we're talking a lot about, you know, as above, so below. And basically the premise of the book is, okay, so let's talk about just basic Newtonian physics. Now here's how Newtonian physics works. This is how it works like in three dimensions, but that's also applicable on a spiritual level. So the, mm. the example that really stuck with me like okay so you've got uh this wall over here and if i walk up and i punch that wall there's physics going on there there's equal right. and opposite reactions i'm punching the wall with this force but the wall is also pushing back with equal and opposite reaction yes you know the same thing like if two trains collide if one's going 60 miles an hour and the other's going 60 miles an hour it's a 120 mile an hour collision because right. equal and opposite reactions but then you take that and you apply that on like a relational level. So if you and I have a relationship and I come at you with force, well, you're going to come back at me with force. Right. And that's how we tend to, to do things as a, as a society anymore, because we, we've lost touch with the art of communication and compassion and, and more of the subtle, finer points of life. Yes. And so to me, I was like, man, there's so many different applications to that. That's fantastic. And it was just very eye opening. And then the next book was Harmonic Wealth by James Arthur Ray. I've heard. Yeah. For, okay. Yes. Yeah. I in, listened to your interview with him, I believe. Right. Yeah. Was that yep. your first episode? Yep. That. Yeah. That was great. That was fantastic. Yep. 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 So I, I read that book. Listeners go check him out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, please, please do. Please check do. out surviving the system. Check out the interview. He, that <laughs> got two of them. He's been on twice. Oh, fantastic. He, um, <laughs> so I, the book came across my desk. I worked in the library and that was nice. one of the saving graces that, that yeah. I had was because I love to read. And when I got to my new room at, at OCC, which is Omaha Correctional Center, I finished out my 11 months there. Um, two of my, my cellies, it was an eight man cell. Two of my cellies worked in the library. And when you're there, you have to have a job. And most people get jobs like, Oh, go empty the trash once a day. What it's stupid jobs. I mean, it's, right. it's meaningless, absolute meaningless labor. But I was like, do you guys have openings in the library? Cause I would love to work in the library. I would <laughs> love that. And they were like, Oh, we can talk to her. Yeah, sure. So they got me in there and I met with her and uh, Miss Morton, she's super, one of the best people I met the whole time I was in there. And she gave me the job in there and then I just took off because I love books. Mm -hmm. And so new books would come in. She was very, very focused on providing a lot of self-help type books. Mm -hmm. So she was like, if, if you guys are going to be in here for a time, I want to at least say that I tried to help you 
as much as you possibly could to better yourselves or to give you the opportunity to at least. And I, I thought that was really cool. And so, you know, some of those I, you know, I took and then this one comes in, she would get these donations and I'd have to enter them into the system and tape them up and put it all in and then put it on the shelf and category it. And um, it's harmonic wealth. And I looked at it and I was like, this looks like the cheesiest book I have ever seen. Well, <laughs> nobody is going to read this. It's like, whatever, I'll put it out. Okay. And so I put it out and then I got done reading whatever I was doing. And a couple weeks later, it just, it jumped out at me. Again. And I was like, all right, let me at least, I'll look at the jacket. I read about it and I was like, okay, we'll give it a shot. I'll try it. And it just, it blew my mind. It, the best way that I can explain it is it answered questions that I have been asking for my entire life. It answered questions that I didn't even know I wanted to ask yet until I had the answer there. And I was like, I didn't, I, that's a great question that you just answered. That's fantastic. Wow. And so I, I loved it. Like it was just phenomenal. And it talked all about um, quantum physics and the five pillars of, of life and how, balance is bullshit. You can't ever have balance in your life because nothing is ever stationary. Right. Energy is always in motion. So it's either going forward or backwards. It's either growing or dying. There's mm -hmm. no balance because balance would mean that nothing is happening. It's a complete stasis. Right. And so it's a matter of where are you focusing your attention? Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm reading that and I'm like, oh my gosh, this makes so much sense. I've been focusing my attention in the wrong areas. And so I'm like, laying the groundwork for when I'm getting out at this point. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, this is great. So one of the first things I did is I bought that book for myself. I've got it upstairs. Though. And then I was like, oh, you know what? I'll bet I could catch some of his stuff on YouTube. There's got to be some videos of this guy somewhere. He's been doing this for a while, I think. And um, I started looking stuff up and then I was like, oh, I forgot he was on The Secret. That's right. Okay, I remember this guy. And he's one of the presenters on The Secret. Wow. And then I'm going through YouTube and I find a video and I watch it. It's from, it must have been really old. He was in like a hotel conference room doing a presentation on stuff. It was, it was super cool. I loved it. I was like, oh, this is great. So I'm looking for more videos and all these videos keep popping up about James Arthur Ray murder trial, James Arthur Ray sentenced to prison. And I'm like, this, okay, who is this other James Arthur Ray? Dude? This is a, <laughs> no, it turns out it's the same guy. Oh. And he was unfortunately involved with it's what's now known as the Sedona sweat lodge incident. Oh, right. Yeah. Where he had a retreat there and in the sweat lodge, um, unfortunately three people lost their lives. And Regardless of the fact that he didn't do it himself, everybody had signed waivers. There was a team of people like there's all of these other people that were. I don't want to say necessarily responsible, but at least shared in the preparations for everything leading up to that point. The yeah. state of Arizona saw, oh, this guy's a big name. He's a super celebrity. He's on the Today Show every week. He's got his coaching clients are like Hulk Hogan, and he shares the stage with Oprah and Trump and all these people. So they went after him hard, and they they got him for manslaughter. And so he wound up spending two years in prison in Arizona. And he got out right about the same time I was going in. 
And so all of a sudden I see all of this. And by this point, I, my eyes had been opened at least enough to understand how nature and reality and the universe works. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, that didn't happen by accident. Right. There is no way that that book came across my desk by accident because who better is going to show me how to come back from something like going into prison than this guy. Right. So I jumped online and I'm looking for more of his stuff. And yep. He's still out there. His website's still up. And like, oh, great. So I found a couple of like, uh, just uh, like TV events that he did that were broadcast online where he did some presentations and I was just kind of soaking it all up. And then one day he had, he started what's called the Prometheus Academy for teaching people how to do life and business coaching. And I was like, Oh, that'd be great. So I filled the application out and sent it off. And, you know, in the back of my head, I'm like, there's no way like this. He's like, in my mind, he's way up here. I'm way down here. Like this guy's not even going to know who I am. So I sent the application off and I got contacted by his uh, now his, his wife, but at the time it was just his assistant administrative assistant bear saying, you know, Hey, James would really like to speak with you. And I like, I lost my mind. <laughs> I was like, Oh my God, this is, this is, we're going to talk to James. Over here. And, um, quick side note, my father had passed away probably about four or five months before this point. Mm-hmm. My dad died like six months after I got out. Oh, that's um, so terrible. Sorry to hear that. No, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. The The blessing in that was that he did leave me some inheritance. And so I was able to use that to parlay it into paying for the coaching school. Once again, nothing's, so, an, accident. nothing's an accident, right? And, and nothing is an accident. Nothing. Yeah. Um, so I was able to work one-on-one with James up until, like up until, um, July, August of last year. So I learned from him one-on-one. I was out in one-on-one events with him, talking with him on the phone. Um, I fielded some of his sales calls for him. And so we would go with this. I mean, I interacted with him one-on-one with him teaching and prepping not just me but a group of us mm-hmm. on how to do coaching and to be coaches going forward so to me it was kind of like again i was like I, I know i know that none of this happened accidentally right so that really was a pivotal moment for me because up until that point like i was talking about in the beginning i didn't understand the law of attraction and so i would kind of use it here and there and then just be like, eh, I'm done. I'm, that's too much, too much. Yeah. <laughs> and so a lot of it was, I would also start and stop a lot of different things. Like I'd start a venture and be, eh, this is too difficult. I don't want to do this. And so he really helped me to overcome that because wow. I recognized that. And I told him on our call, you know, ah, I have a, I have a tendency to, to start and not see things through. And he was like, I'll work with you on that. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I said, well, hold on to me. I need to go discuss this with my wife. And he was like, well, go ahead and, you know, you can put me on hold if you want and talk to her. So I'm upstairs on the phone and I come downstairs and I'm telling her and she's like, he better 
get you to finish. And he's <laughs> listening on the other end. And he was like, you tell her, I said, if you don't finish this all the way through, I'll kick your ass myself. <laughs> and I was like, okay, James says. So when we got through the first year, you know, I, I hit that moment where I was like, I don't, I don't know if I'm going to keep going. And he called me out on it on the Facebook group. He was like, you told me that this is what you do. He's like, come on, man, push past that. And I was like, you know what, for better or worse, let's go. So yeah, I, I saw it all the way through completely, completely different. That was a big pivotal moment for me. And so now I've kind of not necessarily overcome that completely, Mm -hmm. but it's that turning point. Now it's not the big monster in the room anymore. Right. Now I'm like, I can recognize ahead of time, hey, is this something that I really want to invest my energy in? Because it's going to take a lot out of me. If I'm going to make this happen, this is going to take a lot. So yes. do I, number one, like, do I have the capacity to add this in? Number two, does it harmonize with the other things that I'm trying to do or is it just too much dude I resonate with everything you just said man I mean first of all starting a podcast alone is whoa god this yeah. has just been a you know it's been great it, like the learning experience has been awesome it's been a curve of a learning experience but it's so much fun yeah at the same time but you know, you're taking on a lot more than just a podcast and you have a big family. I yep. mean, that's a lot. So, I mean, I completely understand what you're saying about like, especially now that I'm getting older, I'm starting to realize like my time is super valuable. And that's another thing that the system kind of forces on us that our, our time is very limited for yeah, ourselves, yeah. of course. But, um, my God, what you said about basically stopping yourself is mm -hmm. something that my wife and I both have been learning about man pretty much all year you know and we we both and probably so many other people out there have that's one of our biggest things is not really believing in ourselves and when you hear believe in yourself it's so it's a hallmark card but yeah you a better way to say it is is just kind of to uh, stop stopping yourself you yeah. know i mean jesus christ like how do you find out if you can do anything and then like you said once you're on the other side it's not the monster in the room anymore yep. you have all that room that you're looking at oh my god look at what i was missing out on yeah all this confidence or all this opportunity you know and uh i i had this written down right here not to you for you like yeah. why is this happening to me versus what is this trying to show me when it's negative yep. or you know, what what is this opportunity being presented in front of me yeah it, it just it it kind of seems like a, a big theme in in what you talk about almost on every podcast is not stopping yourself believing in yourself and you know really knowing that you are the one who has the power to change things. Mm -hmm. We Like we were talking earlier about getting swept up into the dark conspiracies and giving them all that attention. If there's anything dark going on, it's them just wanting attention because yeah. the more attention on something, the less you're paying attention to yourself. I mean, a little word magic right there. You're paying your attention. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That wasn't really a question, but hey, we'll roll. <laughs> no, you're good. And it, it, it leads to, you know, another topic that I talk about quite a bit, but it's super important. Some of the things that 
frustrate me about the personal development industry and the self-help development, I think you just kind of touched on them. It, a lot of it is just taglines and, oh, you believe in yourself, positive attitude. You can do this. You can do this. Nobody prepares you for the fact, well, yeah, you can, but it's going to be the hardest fucking thing you've ever done in your life. And you've <laughs> got to understand that and be ready for it because yes. if you're not prepared, it's going to catch you off guard and you're going to go, whoa, what? This, what the hell is, I believed in myself. Why isn't this working? You told me it would work. Well, right. no, this is part of the process. This is how it goes. Nobody ever tells you that kind of stuff. Right. They don't ever see. tell you either. Like surround yourself with people who get it. That's a gr that's great advice, man. <laughs> you have to do that because like I've brought the people that I brought on on my first year of my podcast, I was I was too unsure of myself to really talk about my experiences. Mm -hmm. So I used other people to facilitate that. So I brought on a lot of guests, which I still love. Like I love doing the guests, but to me, it was also like, man, there are so many stories out there that people need to tell. So I brought on people like my friend, Sean, who mm -hmm. I met Sean when I was in OCC. He'd been in prison like four different times. This was his fourth number. He had a 16 year sentence. But that was the one that did it. That was the one that did it for him. And he was like, I'm done. I'm changing my life. And he was a mentor to not just me, but countless other people. He was one of the founding uh, members of the Seven Habits on the Inside class at Tecumseh. People would come to him just for that mentorship, especially with the Stephen Covey practice. Like he's all about that stuff. He loves it. And so I get out and I'm like, why don't people ever talk about like him? <laughs> Why don't you ever hear that on the news? So he comes out and I'm like, it was so funny because he was over at my house because he was still on, um, I think he was still on probation. He was at the halfway house. He wasn't quite off yet, but I was helping him out and I was driving him around doing stuff. And so we had some time. So we stopped off here to eat and I was like, you should do a podcast. He's like, I want to interview you. So I'm on the computer over here and he's in the other room on his phone and we're just doing the interview, but it was listening to him just talk about all of this stuff. And I was like, that is the stuff that people need to hear. But that's mm -hmm. also, those are the people that I surround myself with. Right. Because I know that if I start to slack off too much, he's going to kick my ass. <laughs> you know, he's going to be one of those people that's pushing me and challenging me. And just like I did for him too, he gets out. He's like, well, I'm going to do this. And I'm going to do this. I'm like, hold on, let's talk about this and try to guide him through the process. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now he's got his side businesses up and running That's that cool. he's got his own business going. He just took a job for a, a nonprofit that's about to go national. He's down in Texas right now and setting up something of good salary with benefits. You know, a couple of years ago, we were, we were fucking playing role-playing games outside in, in OCC and here we are. <laughs> but, you know, those are the people that I want around me because yeah. they get it. When it gets tough, they're not going to be the ones that are going to be like, well, I told you you couldn't do it. I tried to do that once and it didn't work for me either. So oh, you probably shouldn't do it. Right. Yeah. You know, that that's the big thing is surround yourself with people who are going to continue to push you and challenge you to grow. Right. Not help you to stay inside your comfort zone and feel comfortable with allowing yourself to fail. That's beautifully said. And, and you know, I, I, you just said you hit the 
beautiful point right there with the comfort zone, even though I'm going to steer it in another direction. But I, I just wanted to get your take on this. Cause I mean, mm-hmm. we don't have to call ourselves conspiracy theorists, but you know, the rest of the world will. So whatever, that's sure. fine. But you know, free thinking individuals, whatever you want to call us, that comfort zone, man, I'm starting to really get worried about the comfort zone in our own community with, mm-hmm. when it comes to how, um, just kind of comfortable we've all become with just kind of talking about the same conspiracies over and over. I mean, it goes a little bit back to what I was saying about spinning our wheels, but it's just, um, we don't seem to do much debate um, with each other. Like not necessarily with a conversation like this, but when it comes to those more malicious topics, you know, I've heard you and Charlie Robinson go deep on the whole Wall Street thing that happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no way around talking about these kind of evils, these people. And it just seems like there needs to be more of a separation between a conversation, like I mentioned with you and Charlie, versus the wild accusations that come out about whatever and anything at all. I mean, there's precedent for uh, empirical evidence at this point. Mm-hmm. Anecdotes aren't good enough for us anymore in the quote unquote conspiracy theory community, I feel. And I feel like that's our biggest issue with the spinning of the wheels is that we you go online and maybe it's disinformation or maybe it's just laziness. How many people are still pushing their own theories, perhaps, that have been disproven, even among other truthers? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it just it seems like, I don't know. What do you think? Do you think it's it's just uh, dis- disinformation agents just totally uh, fogging up the airways and not letting us see? <laughs> it's funny. I have that same talk with my wife. Yeah. Because I've been involved with, call it the conspiracy theories, whatever we want to call it, since like the 90s. Yeah. We were, my my parents were involved in the, the Patriot community, which the Patriot community back in the 90s, for anybody that doesn't know, they were the people that were talking about, hey, government isn't following their own laws. You don't have to pay taxes. It's not written anywhere. Here's what the laws actually state. Trying to get Mm -hmm. people to understand how the courts work, things like that. Um, So I was awake to this stuff for a very, very long time. That's great. Um, (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, and then I I went through it myself to see it firsthand. So now I really get it. I understand it now. Um, Yeah. So having that having that account going through it, getting into life now. But at that point, I remember like there was a a pastor that I would listen to out of Colorado and he was, he was back before David Icke was doing anything like this guy was on radars for, for the government. People did not like him. He was targeted for all kinds of different reasons, but he told the story once. I think I still have the cassette tape somewhere. He told the story about how, there was this person that was coming into their life and trying to help take care of one of, I believe it was his grandkids. Um, They were having trouble. They didn't want to do formula. They didn't trust formula. And so they did goat's milk. And he was talking about how goat's milk really has like, it's the most similar to human milk. And a lot of that and how they came to that conclusion. 
And then this baby was just getting sicker and sicker and sicker and they couldn't understand what happened. And so finally, you know, he was like, well, let's check this out and make sure that this milk is okay. And so he took the milk and had it tested independently. And they found out that this person who had come in and become this valued member of their community was poisoning the milk Holy crap. with like fecal matter. So this poor baby was oh drinking milk tainted with fecal matter. And then he said they came through at one point where they accidentally faxed over something to him that was like a bill for this person, like payment for services rendered by the government. And so he was like, wait a minute, what is this? <laughs> so, I mean, firsthand experiences for all this. So disinformation and people, they're everywhere. Yeah. And I can't, I mean, a lot of times truth, you know, truth when you see it for the most part, when you start getting to a certain point in conspiracy theories, then you're like, I can't tell what the hell is going on. Mm -hmm. I'm just, I just, I push it off. I'm like, I'm not even going to worry about it right now. I've, I've got other I things. I stupidly go the other way. <laughs> yeah. It's like, man, I don't even like the, like the QAnon stuff. Oh yeah. I you know. know, my mom was just all in it, all in it. You know, I Trump is the savior. He was selected by the Chinese royal family and oh, it's going to be so great. And I'm just in the back of my head. I'm like, how? how can you possibly believe this mm. and oh well somebody that she trusted knows somebody and oh his sources say this and like that's kind of sometimes all it takes and that's the problem it, yeah i mean and, and un unfortunately what do you think do you think it takes a very specific type of personality to want to sit there through four hours of possibly untrue things just to see if anything aligns with things they already know yeah i mean Shit, <laughs> it, it doesn't, I mean, it seems very off-putting to most people. So yeah, it's like, you're never going to get someone that's going to do all that. No. But what you can do is kind of just be the model. I mean, I'm, I'm learning that in parenting. I mean, my son's three and a half, so we got a lot to learn. And we're learning about positive parenting and how the most important way to, you know, I don't want to say influence, but you know, influence your kid in a pot in a, in a good way towards a good direction is to model good behavior rather than tell them the good behavior. And mm -hmm. I hate to sound so condescending to our poor fellow humans, but maybe that's the approach, the same style we got to do. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Just model and the successful behavior of we are empowered. All this fear is separate and it is being handed down to you we are powerful yeah yeah absolutely and and here's the thing too there's once you start to awaken to a lot of what's going on in the world a lot of these conspiracy theories whatever we want to call them when you start to wake up to how life is really operating behind the scenes when you turn the tv off and don't listen to the news and don't pay attention to the politicians just watch what's happening you start to realize that the only place you can start is locally. Like everybody, I don't want to necessarily discourage anyone, but it's like signing a petition to get 
the president to agree to do whatever such and such. I mean, honestly, they do whatever they want to do. If you don't understand that by now, if it doesn't fit in with whatever the agenda is, they're not going to do it. And if they do do it, then you need to ask yourself, hold on, what's wrong with this that they're saying okay to that? Anything they pay attention to, you know, what what do they pay their attention right. you know, right. to? Exactly. to pay our attention to? Exactly. And so just as if you were, you just kind of talked a little bit about it there. If you were to try to go out into, into the world and try to teach people how to raise their kids, but you've got a kid that's totally disrespectful, does whatever <laughs> they want, never listens, people are going to go, why should I even listen to you? Right. You start at home first. Beautifully so planned. same thing here. Start with your local community. Absolutely. You and know, I think once, that's what I'm trying you, to do. Yeah. That's once you get to, to that certain level within the system, you know, and I'm not even sure where that level is. I don't understand enough about it to know where you cross that line to Threshold where you get plan. into. Okay. If you want to get this high, you need to sell your soul right. and then you can go further. But getting to that certain point, local politics, you still have the ability to at least make a difference to your own community. Right. Right. That's... You know, but even then, you've got you've got to take it all in first and you have to clean yourself up first. Damn right. That's that's where it all has to start. I couldn't put it better myself, man. This was this was excellent to talk to you tonight. I really, really had a good time. Yeah, me too. I love it. I obviously I can talk about this stuff all day, all night. So <laughs> absolutely, man. Absolutely. All right. Well, everybody now, Dave, tell everybody where you can find where they can find you, man. Sure. So I am very fortunate that I am in the fringe community as well. Um, and I don't necessarily mean like the fringe quote unquote community. <laughs> there is an online radio station called the fringe who I have been very fortunate to, to work with. So I run Thursday nights at 8 PM uh, central 8 PM central time. And that's on fringe.fm F R I N G E.fm. Um, replays go throughout the week, but new episodes every Thursday night at eight. Once they air on the radio, then generally that weekend, they'll be up and available on podcasts. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Fantastic. So, Apple, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, you name it. Um, if, and I know some people prefer not to, to use podcasts, I do have a website, survivingthesystem.org. All of my webs or all of my episodes are available on the website as well. You can catch that on a desktop, on a mobile phone, whatever. You, just, you don't have to have the app for it necessarily. Mm -hmm. um, have started a YouTube channel very recently. All right. That's newer. So I don't have a lot of content on there yet, but I'm starting to get that built up a little bit. Facebook.com slash surviving the system and on Twitter at STS, the podcast. I'm almost always reachable on either one of those. That's how you found me. So yeah again it was really great talking to you man and i look forward to talking to you again soon so at some point man yeah absolutely happy to anytime all right all right well everybody have a good night thanks for listening to this episode of the deep share podcast if you want to hear more then hit that subscribe button follow me on all the social places and remember think for yourself 
but don't always believe what you think. Till next time. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together, pacifaria. Enough, I get the point. <laughs> you meddle with the primal forces of nature. <laughs> and you will atone. What do we know? What do we know? If I know what we know, well, then I can tell you what we know, and if someone else knows, okay? <laughs> <laughs>